Jesus that flows from heaven and speaks a word better than the word of Abel. I thank you that we are restored because of you. We are healed because of you. We are loved because of you. We are complete because of you. Thank you, Jesus. We are so grateful, Lord, for what you've done for us. Give us the grace to understand more and more of what you accomplished for us at the cross. Hallelujah to Jesus. I pray, Lord, that every person here, that their hearts are fulfilled and satisfied on you alone. Jesus, you are the treasure. You are the gift from God. And I pray, Lord, that you alone becomes our gift in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You make us complete. You make us whole. You make us restored. It's you, Lord. I pray, Lord, today that you baptize them in your blood. Thank you. I can see like a cloud of Jesus' blood over every person here. You are married to God the Father because of the blood of Jesus. We are now the bride, but his blood was the atonement for us. That is the bridge to God the Father, the blood of Jesus. Thank you. Begin to speak it over every aspect of your life from day to day. We were far off, but we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I pray from today, Lord, that they may taste and see that apart from you, there is no good thing. Thank you, Jesus. You're the sweet aroma that comes from God our Father. Well, there's a light that's coming down upon every person. Thank you. Light. See light coming upon every person. Close your eyes and believe. Open your heart. Because the Holy Spirit rules this meeting. Thank you. I pray, Lord, that you refresh their soul. Refresh their mind. Refresh their spirit. Allow their flesh to be restored today. Any form of weariness, stress, anxiety, depression, any form of loneliness, we command it to be healed right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there's such a beautiful light in this room. Thank you, Jesus. His glory is here. The Bible says, wherever the Spirit is, there's liberty.
freedom. Beautiful. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Wow, beautiful light. There's like a blue light over this room now. Thank you, Jesus, for washing you. Washing you in his robe of righteousness. Hallelujah. Washing you with rivers of the clearest water. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship him in your hearts. It's not about us. Worship him. He deserves our praise. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We worship you. Every burden that they are carrying that doesn't belong to them be released in Jesus' name. Every struggle that doesn't belong to them release it in the name of Jesus Christ. Every stronghold of the mind that comes from the enemy be released in Jesus' name. Any regret, any deep regret that people are carrying today be released in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. I rebuke the spirit of witchcraft right now. Leave them alone in Jesus' name. I bind the spirit of witchcraft from working in certain people's life today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You have your way today, Lord. We honor you in this meeting. You're the name above all names. And to you belongs all the glory. We thank you for what you've done in each person. We thank you for allowing us to do what we do. It's by your grace. And we honor you for all that you have done, both seen and unseen. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your compassion, your hope, and your unfailing love that allows us to thrive with our relationship with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Thank you. Well, sometimes I think, like, should I preach or just sit in the presence? Thank you for coming. I don't take this for granted, um, what I do. Um, it's, a, it's a great joy to do what I do for the Lord. Amen. And we have a great responsibility for all the people that are preaching in this place, myself, Pastor Tony, Pastor Dorian, all the people that are growing, upcoming leaders, the people that are serving. We have a great responsibility. Amen. We have a great responsibility. So, 
I believe God spoke to a lot of people from last week's message. You know how many people messaged me and said they had dreams that night and God showed them certain uh, situations and episodes from their life that happened that allowed them to operate in the spirit of rejection and envy. I had so many people reach out to me and say, I've never been able to put my finger on it of why I operate in envy and why am I jealous and why am I always looking outside. And the Holy Spirit showed me that rejection is the root. So I, I myself, I give all the glory to the Lord Jesus for the Holy Spirit that allowed me to even see it because it's his wisdom that comes from above. So I'd like to bless some people here just to show you how you are part of God's plan. So when I was fasting on mon last week on a Monday and a Tuesday, the Holy Spirit said to me that this week you will receive $10,000. And I want to encourage some people here. Some person on Wednesday gave me 5000 Another person gave me 3000 Another person gave me 2000 Another person gave me 1000 10000 And I said, okay, Lord, I have this now. What do you want me to do with it? And he told me to send it to three different places in Africa. And I sent it. And I just want to bless your hearts for all the people that have given because you heard from God. You're part of God's plan. And God will bless you in his way. But I want to tell you what they said to me for the ones in Africa. They said to me that <laughs> we, we, we ran out of food for the children. And um, they said, we cannot believe how this has happened. Because when people message me with all the respect, like I can't reply to everyone's message. Uh, these pastors message me every five minutes. And I don't mean to be rude or bitter in any way, but I just, I do my, I do my own thing. And I sent them that amount of 10,000, three different places, and they said we ran out of food. So for all the people that have cheerfully given for the Lord, bless you. But you're part of God's plan. The people that gave me the money, they said, here, Take this, do whatever God tells you to do. That's how I believe that they're given unto God. There's no control in it. They, they laid their money on the apostles' feet. I'm not saying I'm that person, but what I'm saying is that God instructed me where to put it. And it's interesting that It's like the Holy Spirit gave me a bit of understanding that you can give money to the poor and they're not changed. You can give money to the poor and they're hungry again. But where God told me to plant it, um, there's salvations. There's salvations. The greatest, the greatest investment you can invest where people are getting saved because they're coming out of that spiritual poverty that's allowing them to be physically in poverty. Does that make sense? And it was interesting. God told me to put it where souls are getting saved, where they have a heart to allow people to be free in the spirit. And you can give, and I'm not condemning anyone who gives 
anywhere, any, in, in any place. But the true wisdom of God, it's like you give where salvations are happening. Because imagine you gave someone, um, imagine you gave someone food without giving them the gospel. What, what happens? They'll get hungry again. They'll never change from the inside. They'll always have that poverty mindset. But the Holy Spirit told me to give where there is salvation. Give where the anointing is. Because that's where God tra uh, transforms people. No, interesting, isn't it? Give where salvations are happening. So for all the people that I gave, bless your heart. And I, pr I, pray, I prayed for each one of you that God blesses you. Amen. But it's interesting, yeah? I got 10,000 last week. So on Friday, on Friday, I sent all that money. I just wanted to encourage for the people that gave and for the people that gave those um, families. Um, that lady's not here. Is she? No, she's not. So I prayed for one lady. It was interesting. She had no money. And um, I think it was the first time here. I think I maybe scared her off. <laughs> she, she came the first time last week. And the Holy Spirit showed me that she ran out of money. So I said, excuse me, uh, can I ask you a question? She goes, yeah. I said, have you run out of money? And she goes, no, I'm all good. I said, okay. I said, I'll ask you again. Have you run out of money? She said, no, nah, good, I'm working, I've got an income. I said, I'll ask you one more time. Have you run out of money? And she put her head down. And she goes, three days ago, this and this happened. And she has no money. But you see, when the Holy Spirit speaks, He wants to aid her. He wants to aid her. He wants to give her aid. Because He wants to show Himself that I can give so much more. Open your heart for me. Does that make sense? Isn't it interesting that the Bible says that the gift opens the door of salvation? God does things different ways. You just got to be obedient to the voice. So that gift that I gave her, and it's not about me, I'm not bragging. That gift that I gave her allowed her to see, God really cares about me. I'm going to open my heart for him. Does that make sense? Three times she's told me no. And I said, I'm sorry, I, I know what I heard. <laughs> and sometimes pride will not allow you to speak express what you're really feeling maybe people look down at you unfortunately so I just wanted to encourage those, those people that gave God bless your hearts all the children have food on their table 3,000 children they have food on their table because of your cheerful heart towards God and I encourage all the people here to be cheerful towards God like this you can trust us by the grace of God. We will do only what God says.
Yeah, so, amen. So how many people got blessed from rejection last week? How many people saw things they never were able to see? Yeah, all of us. So praise the Lord. We are moving forward now. Can I have that scripture of First Timothy chapter one verse five? Now, now, what's interesting? What's interesting here that the Holy Spirit spoke to me about how to love God. A lot of people, a lot of people know about God, but they don't know how to love Him. We can agree with that. Yeah, and please, I'm not having a go at anyone. So a lot of people know God, but a lot of people don't know how to love Him. Someone may think, where do I begin? Yes? How many people think? How many people here are trying too hard? How many people here are trying too hard? See, the issue with trying too hard, it's not knowing where to work. And when I was just here, like the Holy Spirit showed me that people have a, a mindset where they're trying too hard. Is that you? Do you feel like you're trying too hard to get to your destination in Christ? Because when you try too hard, that's where you begin to feel frustrated and tired and weary, confused, full of doubt. How many people feel like this? It's okay. I can I have a microphone, please? Someone? So I'm going to challenge the crowd. So I, I don't know if I, I haven't given, did I share that with you yet, Rita? What's in CFA? No, I didn't share it with you. Okay, so you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to take the microphone. <laughs> so look what it says here. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, which we already covered, from a good conscience, which we have had so much insight of that, now we're moving to sincere faith. Now God spoke to me, and he showed me the scripture, but I'm not going to give it today. And I, I don't know, I'd just like to throw that seed out to show you that God did speak to me about this. For me, when I study something, I'm waiting on God. If he doesn't speak, I will not put the pen on the paper, because I want it to be him. Are you willing to treat the Holy Spirit like that? Are you willing to treat the Holy Spirit like that? This is how the Holy Spirit becomes a, the person of God where he begins to feed you. See, so many people uh, come into an area where, Lord, speak with me, Lord, teach me, and they don't get a response, then they start to search out the scriptures to find out something in their natural are you willing to treat the Holy Spirit that you will not move? Yes, you read the scriptures. Yes, you get as much as 
of, of God's truth in you. But are you willing to know what the Holy Spirit's interested with? See, the Holy Spirit will tell you what you need to focus on. You understand that? The Holy Spirit will show you which season you're in or which area you're in. And now we're doing it as a whole. The Holy Spirit show me now where the body is. The Holy Spirit show me as a whole where the body is spiritually. You understand that? And this is what I like about the Holy Spirit. He puts everything into perspective perfectly. Every, every message accommodates each other. It's just a, it's just a, it's a, a roll-on. So that's how I treat the Holy Spirit, not only for my journey, but for the body. And can I say this humbly? We're in the early, we're in, we're in the early stages of a believer. Where they're still. And I say this humbly. We're in the early stages of a believer. We're still there. And, and, I, and I don't mean to discourage anyone, but we're still in this area. So I spoke about babe, little children. We're still in this area. So the Holy Spirit will not let me excel until he builds that foundation. And it's not a teaching. A lot of people get it mixed up. It's a growth. See, you can hear a teaching but not grow. It's about growing. Paul talks about it, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul measures a lot of areas of growth in the areas of love. So you must understand where you are in your journey with Christ. Because after that, you will not take a wrong step. So how many people feel here they're trying too hard? You know when you try too hard, you try to get the next best message. You try to be the next best. Uh, you have a message no one has. Or you found something in the Bible no one's found. You try to be someone, you, you mess it up, and you don't allow the Holy Spirit to work where he needs to work. The Holy Spirit showed me the foundation of sincere faith. You'd be blown away when he showed me what the foundation is. Everyone will be restored from this treasure in the scripture. So, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart. So the foundation is love. God is love. Whoever abides in God or abides in love abides in God and God in us. The foundation is love. God so loved the world, he gave his son. Our foundation is all in the area of love. And what's the greatest meaning of love? What is the greatest meaning of love? Anyone? Sacrifice? What's the greatest meaning of love? Obedience. The Bible says, if you love me, obey my commands. 
So the greatest form of love that you have towards God is that you obey his word. Okay. So now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Okay, so who wants to have here a sincere faith? How many? All of us? What do you think the foundation is? On the mi microphone? Um, so if you, were to th if you were to read your scripture, can you go back there? That's a hard track. If you, read, if you were to read that scripture, what's the first thing that comes to you? Now, we need the microphone. <laughs> Some people don't need the microphone here, but uh, we need the microphone. So the people online can hear also. Trust. 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 Okay. So trust. It's a good response. Don't be afraid. Have a go. But not everyone. <laughs> so if you were to hear that, or if you were to read that scripture there, what's the first thing that will come to you? What's a sincere faith? Love? Belief? Humble yourself? Surrender? Just give him the microphone. <laughs> it wasn't me last one. I said surrender already. Surrender, yeah. <laughs> okay. Where would you think God would want you to work in that area? Let's say God. Let's say God's looking down, and you read that scripture there, the sincere faith. What do you believe the first area you would need to work on in your life? Heart, presence, forgiveness. Someone's got to get this. Everyone's saying everything now. Think, think, repentance. Yeah, uh, I had the microphone now. <laughs> yeah, I miss you, it's, bro, from it, last it time. all comes up from love. Love, beautiful. It's not the right answer yet. <laughs> so love, love is the foundation. But what do you really believe in your heart? Where the Holy Spirit would want you to focus on? Conscience, kingdom. Two more, and that's it. Holy Spirit. Okay. Let's have a look. We got detention, praying in tongues half an hour after this. <laughs> Tony said detention, half an hour in the spirit after we finish. <laughs> God spoke to me. Thank God for that. He showed me a treasure. And I'll, I'll share it with you because the answer is in there. 
why so many people fail in their journey is because they can't get the first principle right. And I'm going to share it. Because imagine you moving forward without the first principle being established in you, you will go so far. How many people here feel like they can only go so far, they get pushed back? How many people? Everyone. Everyone's hand should be up. Because that's the Christian world today. They only go so far and they get pushed back. They only go so far and they get pushed back. Many are called, few are chosen. What's the main foundation that you need to be established as a believer? Thank you, Lord. Okay. So I'll stand up there and I'll preach from there. <clears throat> the word sincere, for all the people that are following me, the word sincere in the KJV Esod is unfeigned. Unfeigned. And I'll explain it. It's from the Strong's 505 in the Greek. And the word in the Greek, some scholars here, the word, the word in the Greek, the word in the Greek is anapokoritos. Anoropokoritos. <laughs> no, no, this is the, this is ancient Greek. It's anopokoritos. It sounds right. Sounds right. <laughs> sounds good, eh? Okay, All right, we'll keep going. <laughs> so, so this is the word sincere, but it, it gets deeper. So the word, the word sincere means unfeigned. Unfeigned in the Strong's Esword defines without hypocrisy. Meaning, a feigning to be what one is not or to believe what one does not. It's a behavior that contradicts what one claims to believe or feel. So, so we'll, we'll stop there for a moment. <clears throat> it's a behavior that contradicts what one claims to believe or feel. Let's go again. Unfeigned defines to not pretend or do not pretend. <clears throat> the false assumption of an appearance of virtue of religion. So I'll, I'll, I'll speak a little about that last one and then I'll go on to the treasure. The false assumption of an appearance of virtue or religion. That word, a false assumption of virtue, means to be dishonest. Okay, let's, this is what the word sincere means. It's, it's the honest of being sincere. It means to be dishonest, it means to be shifty. It means to trick. 
now you begin to see the behavior of Satan. I just want you to pay attention. It means to be insincere. It means to be sly. It means to operate in an area where there's empty talk. It means to be self-righteous. It means to be two-faced. It means untruthfulness. It means lip service. This is what the word, the opposite of sincere means. Falsity, deception, crafty, bad faith, and faithlessness. That's the opposite. You know what's interesting about the Holy Spirit? He always gets me to start from the area of the opposite. Because when we first begin our journey, we all start in this area. Make sense? Now we're going to go to the real issue. Now, you ready for this? The word sincere comes from two Latin words. Okay, so when we read the word sincere faith, it comes from two Latin words. Let's have a look at them. The word sincere, or the first word from Latin that defines from sincere, is sign. Okay, the word sign means without. Without what? Okay, the second word is sera, sara. And that word means wax, wax. So the word sincere means without wax. Okay, hold on to that because a, a treasure is going to come out of that. What does it mean? To be without wax. So sincere means in the Latin to be without wax. So let's read the ancient world where they got this word from. Ready? In the ancient world, dishonest merchants would use wax to hide defects. Let's keep going. Such as cracks in their pottery so that they could sell their merchandise at a higher price. It's unbelievable. Merchants with a higher reputation would hang a sign over their pottery, saying, Sincera, without wax, to inform customers that their merchandise was genuine. So, sincere has its origin in marketing. Now, pay attention here. Because the enemy, dishonesty, the enemy is trying to sell you something. Keep going. This is in Bible times. So since he has its origin in marketing, as long as trade has existed, existed, merchants have employed misleading marketing to make money. Now, now it's easy to see how this idea is transferred to a believer in Christ. Isaiah 64 verse 8 in the New King James tells us, But now, O Lord, you are the Father, we are the clay, and you are our potter, and all we are the work of your hand. So when you, when you see that word 
When you see that word sincere, it has an origin. It has a deep truth. And how the Holy Spirit allowed me to understand this led me to the main foundation of where you start as a believer. Because a lot of believers have that nagging question, where do I begin? Satan's greatest weapon is his deceptive wax that he rubs on your vessel of clay, which is you, from the outside, the natural man, the fleshly man, by sight, by pride of life, lust of the flesh. He tries to make you fall into the place where you're always trying to fix the outside. He sells you, now this is the main key out of that, sincera. He sells you a better version of yourself. This is the main key from that scripture. The main key that I got from it. Satan's, Satan, the greatest weapon against you is to sell a better version of yourself. What is a pot used for today? What was Satan trying to do behind that, that word sincera? What's a pot used? You hear out of the blue, you hear out of the blue, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Satan's task is to fill yourself up with so much idols so you can be a friend to this world, which allows you to be enemy towards God. His task is to fill you up with things from the outside. So, sincera means without wax, meaning, meaning that the enemy, the enemy hasn't infiltrated you. So, how does the enemy infiltrate you? How does the enemy actually attack you? Why is the enemy there to begin with? Okay. Look what it says here. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Now I'm going to break this down. Because I'm going to show you how the enemy gets the believer today. And a lot of people say, you speak so much about the enemy. Jesus came destroying all the works of the devil. If you cannot see the enemy, then you'll never be able to resist him. How many people knew that envy is rejection? But the whole world suffered from rejection. But envy is the fruit of rejection. And the fruit of rejection is anger. So look what it says here. What's the task of the enemy? It's here. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So, so who is behind, working behind the scenes? We don't fight flesh and blood. We fight the dark spiritual force of this world. Who is behind the scenes 
allowing your service or your true worship to God to be insincere? Is it you or is it the devil? Satan. Unfortunately, it's Satan. He's the, he's the mastermind behind, behind you not giving all your life to Christ. How he does it, how he does it is what's going to change your life. So let's have a look. What are Satan's tactics against the believer? Because we're talking about a sincere faith. Okay? When Satan tempted Jesus, now this is very interesting. You need to hear this. When Satan tempted Jesus, he began by saying, if you are the son of God. Okay? Jesus just got baptized. God the Father declared from heaven, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased with. You see, Satan rarely starts with lies. When Satan comes against you, he never starts with lies. This is how he starts. He starts with this dangerous question. You ready? He starts with this dangerous question, if this is really true. Satan's greatest tactic in our life is to break the hold of God's word over our lives. He takes what God has declared and casts doubt on it. Now this is very powerful. Satan puts, puts question marks in your life where God puts periods in your life. Now think about it like this. When you're going through challenges, when you're going through trials, when you're going through certain seasons in your life, Satan's role and his task is to put a question mark over God in your life. That's how he gets to believe it today. What does God do? He puts periods, meaning in the right time, he will come. If Satan can put question marks over your life, guess what happens? Guess what happens when he says, if this is really true, why hasn't it happened? How many times have you heard that for your life? If this is really true and you're believing and you're praying and you're walking, why hasn't it happened? That's Satan. That's Satan. You know that? That's Satan. He puts question marks. His greatest ambition is to make you question God. Think about it like this. If you were to question God, what's the next, what's the next thing that follows when you question God? Your prayer life changes. Your commitment and obedience toward God changes. You can never question God and remain firm. Can you understand? You can never fall into the trap of questioning God and remain firm. Naturally, you begin to attack God. Okay. Satan puts question marks in your life where God puts periods. This is where many believers give up. Okay? Let me show you why many people don't have a sincere faith. Ready? Many people struggle to have a sincere faith because they become addicted to understanding. They want to understand what they're going through. 
They want to understand why God said no. They want to understand why it's happening this way. How many times have you become addicted to try to understand what's happening? Yeah? How many people fall in trouble <laughs> when they're trying to understand why the devil's coming after them? Or why they're facing troubles in their life? When you become addicted to understanding the process, guess what happens? Naturally, you give up. Naturally, you fall into discouragement. Naturally, you stop the process of God. Naturally. <clears throat> they become addicted to understanding because of the question marks that Satan puts. They didn't put those question marks. You know how many times I've heard believers, unfortunately, say he believed in God. Why didn't he get healed? You know how many times they fall into the trap of Satan? I believed. Why did I get attacked? Question mark. Satan's trap. I was fasting and praying and nothing happened question mark I believed that I'm that that person's going to get healed question mark C can you understand Satan why so many people cannot establish that first foundation of having a sin sincere faith is because of the question mark he was a man of God he believed why did he die why is he sick why is he suffering it's not your task or job to think like this. That's Satan's thinking and reasoning. Because naturally it leads to doubt. Naturally it, it, it leaves you not fully committing your life to God. Can you see? Can, can, I, can I have a hand up if there's any person here who's questioned or been addicted to understanding and they're, they're going full pelt in God's uh, will? No, naturally they stop. Yes? Naturally they stop. Naturally there's a change. There's a shift. There's, there's a lack of commitment. There's a lack of love. There's a lack of truth. With the question mark, this happens. So Satan's role in the wilderness, what was his role? To question. His role is to question you. Especially when you go through challenges. Especially when you go through trials. So if you were to have a question mark and you're, you're praying for healing and Satan comes to you and allows you to have that question, guess what happens? You'll stop praying for healing. You'll stop praying for the breakthrough. With a question mark, you stop seeking him. Can you, can you understand? Whenever there's a question mark, you will stop asking or persevering for the thing that God promised you. That's how so many people... Uh, withdraw themselves. Uh, Brother Rabs, I prayed and I believed, but nothing happened. So why stop believing for? Why are you questioning now? This is unbelief. And where is Satan found? In the realm of unbelief. It's a process. But what I see myself why people 
do not mature. Why people give up is because of the question mark. And I learned one thing, that whenever I go through situations in my life, not to question. Yes, there, there is some, some things come from disobedience. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about episodes that's allowed you to doubt and walk away from God or allowed you to be discouraged and stop giving yourself to God. There's a major issue here with this, and I'm going to share it. I haven't shared it yet. There's a way out. This is where many believers harden their hearts. They get stuck in the whys instead of persevering, pressing on by faith to claim the victory. I spoke to someone last week and the person said to me, when is enough enough? I've been beaten up by the devil. When is enough enough? And unfortunately, this becomes a magnet for the enemy to cause havoc in a person's journey. It becomes a magnet for the enemy to cause havoc in people's journey. And the main role, you need to know this. Satan knew exactly what he was doing in the wilderness. He just heard the voice. This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased with. Listen to him. He heard that voice. What was he really trying to attack? What was Satan really trying to attack Jesus with? You're going to find out here. So he kept saying, when is enough enough? It leads to questioning God. Whenever you go through situations, there is something that needs to be taken into your heart to operate in a different way. Let's go to First Peter. Let's go to First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Let's read them. This will free you. This will free you from understanding something so important. It says here, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, now I want to show you something here. I want to show you something that's very important. Why does God put people in your life? It's for something so important. Why does God put godly people in your life? To understand something very important. Look. Likewise, younger people, submit yourselves to elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Next one, please. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So look at this here. This scripture is regarding Satan roaming like a roaring lion. Yeah, His task is to put question marks in your heart regarding God. Look what God says here. 
that he may exalt you in what? Due time. Meaning that you must be patient in the process. What's Satan's role? To question God? Guess what happens? You become impatient. If you can question God, you will naturally become impatient. You will stop the process. You will stop walking. How many people when times got tough? Honestly, how many people when times got tough, their commitment towards God changed? Why so many people can't kickstart their journey is because when challenging times come, not everyone, when challenging times comes, they withhold themselves. They take a step back. Why? Because of the question mark. What is it saying here? In due time, God will get you out of the situation. Why does God put, why does God put people in your life? For you to understand the process. So you can understand it's part of the journey. You will come out of it restored. Humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So here is again it's saying in God's time. Now next one. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Now what does the enemy do? Question marks. You come, at, you come to God out of the wrong spirit. You come to God out of the flesh. Not by faith anymore. See the opposite of this here is questioning God why you're in trouble. Why you're in this situation, instead of asking God to come and take this burden from you or to heal you from certain things. Next one. Be sober, be vigilant. Now look, look at the way that he's using that scripture. He's showing you that if the enemy gets in the way of you questioning God, you end up complaining to God. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. How does he devour God's people today? Questioning. Next one. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called, you, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, Strengthen and settle you. Until what, sorry? Suffered a little while. Due time after you've suffered a little while. You see the process? Can you see the process? The first, the first process of a believer is when many people cannot even overcome. They go through challenges and they cannot overcome. So what was Satan after with Jesus? It will shock you. What was Satan trying to attack Jesus with? What was his main desire or main ambition? Did Satan know that he was the son of God? He just heard the voice. So what was he really trying to do? good. He said, get Jesus to question. It's good. Let's have a look. So whoever questions God's timing eventually stops praying. 
We can agree with that, yeah? Okay. So let's have a look at it here. Satan tries to make Jesus question God's presence and God's plan. He knew that if he could get Jesus to doubt God's goodness towards him, the rest would fall into place. That's the root of his temptation towards us. To get us to establish something. His main focus is what? To distract you from what? There's one word that I'm looking for. What, what was Satan after in the wilderness? What was Satan after in the wilderness? It begins with I. Identity. Thank the Lord. Identity. What does Satan attack? Your first foundation as a believer is your identity in Christ. You have to understand this because if you don't get it right, you'll never excel to the next step. Your first, your first foundation for sincere faith is your identity, how you see yourself with Christ or how Christ sees you. If you don't establish this, you'll be tossed back and forth. So what was Satan after with Jesus? His identity. He wanted him to doubt what God the Father has promised him. Can you understand? So when someone's sick, did God really say? When someone is suffering, did God really say? When someone hasn't been blessed yet, did God really say? You understand? Question mark. You understand? That's his role. To question God in your heart. Did God really say? The greatest way you can curse Jesus in your heart is this way. For a believer, I believe it's this way. Because that's an attack on God's character. Are, are we getting it? How many people speak like this to God? Why am I going through this? Why does it have to be like this? It's not fair. The greatest way you can curse God and very easily undo anything that's built is you attack God like this. Satan's role is to attack God's character in your heart. Especially when you go through troubles. Where Satan found? In the wilderness. Yeah, where pain can be formed. Where pain can turn into murmur and complaining. Yeah, when, when, when pain, what does the Bible say? Cast all your cares unto him. Yeah, God wants to take your pain away. But what happens when you decide to carry your pain? Satan gets a hold of it. Question mark, murmuring, complaining, it's not fair. Why does it have to be like this? You attack God's character. How many people do this? It's way beyond me. Someone came to me last week. They said, um, this child is sick. You know, Why is he sick? Go put your hands and pray on him. 
I said, you go put your hands in prayer on him. She was attacking me. She was attacking God's character through me. I said, you believe, yeah? You go pray. I said, don't attack God like that. It's a straight attack. I said, you go pray. It's an attack to how Satan speaks. And they didn't even know they're speaking like this. So the greatest way to start your journey in sincere faith, what is it? Without wax. Yeah? Sincere. Your identity must be how God sees you. Because believe me, when you go through discipline, when you go through challenges, you can very easily forget everything. You become having a mindset of suffering, a mindset of a slave mentality, a mindset of a Satan mentality. Yes? Can we see? Where you become prone to always thinking what the devil's doing in your life. You're always thinking about how he's attacking you. Then you have a slave mentality where you have a mindset where everything's hard, everything's a grind, nothing is easy coming to you anymore. You see, if you don't establish your identity, you will suffer. You won't even get promoted to the next step that I'm not going to speak about today. The first principle is knowing who you are in Christ. Are we in agreement? So what's Satan's role? To, to, to sell a better version of yourself. Sincera, to sell a better version of yourself. What, what happens then? Then you begin to control your life. You begin the person who's controlling. You control your life. The greatest way Satan allows you to sell a better version of yourself, live for yourself, you deserve better. But I've spoken so much about that. But God keeps taking me back there. He keeps taking me back there. So here, Satan's greatest role to every believer is to attack your identity. If you don't know who you are in Christ, Satan will always be able to play and attack your thoughts. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. Look here. Look what? Look how many look how many Christians today are struggling to change. Yes? Why so many believers struggle to change? Why do so many believers struggle to change? Because they don't know their identity. Look here. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Now it's talking about the love that God the Father gave by His Son. Now look what it leads to. See, when you know your identity, look where it leads to. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God, identity. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, 
for we shall see him as he is. Now look here, look what identity leads to. Next one, please. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he's pure. What does identity lead to? Purification. When you know who you are, you can naturally change. Why so many people don't know who they are in Christ is because they don't have an identity of who God says they are. So what hope do we have of what God bestowed us through his son Jesus? And when you have this hope, naturally you change. So the first, the, the first key for you to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and to change is to know the love that God has bestowed on us through His Son. Next one. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 to 20. Now, it's a big scripture, but I just want to go through it now. Knowing your identity brings you peace towards God our Father and a sense of belonging to God's family. Now look what it says here. For he himself is our peace. Now when you have true identity in Christ, guess what happens? You have peace. Guess what happens? Guess what happens when you don't, when you don't know your identity in Christ? You'll pray to have peace. You, you will do good things to have peace. You will serve to have peace. You'll always be in an attitude of doing because your identity is lacking. Before you do anything, God the Father has given you peace in His Son. After that, then you can do out of a place of freedom. But guess what happens when you lack identity? I'll feel good when I'm doing something good. What about when you're resting? What about when you're doing nothing? I feel miserable. I feel empty. So your identity is very important. Look what it says here. For he himself is our peace and our bond of unity. He who made both groups, Jews and Gentiles, into one body and broke down the barrier, the dividing wall of spiritual agonism between us, by abolishing by abolishing in his own crucified flesh the hostility caused by the law with its commandments contained in ordinance, which he satisfied so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thereby establishing peace, and that he might reconcile them both Jew and Gentile united in one body to God through the cross, thereby putting to death the hostility, and he came and preach the good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far off and peace to the Jews who were near. For it is through him that we both have a direct way of approach in one spirit to the Father. So that then you are no longer strangers and aliens, outsiders without rights of citizenship. But you are fellow citizens with the saints, God's people, and are members of God's household, having built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So your identity brings belonging. 
your identity brings peace. Do you feel like you belong to God's family? You must know that Christ paid the ultimate price in every area to make you free. Nothing you do anymore is to make you complete. So your peace is in Christ. See, when you have this identity, you can move forward. Next one. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. I know I'm going through all the scriptures, but I want to establish the first foundation. So knowing your identity that Jesus bought you at a price by his blood allows you to keep your body holy, which is the greatest way you can honor God. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have been from God, and you are not your own? That's 1920, sorry. Yeah, 1920. 1 Corinthians 1920. 1 Corinthians 19 to 20, yeah. So, or, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own anymore. So here he speaks that you're not your own, you belong to God. What's God trying to establish here with us now? That we have an identity now. So what happens here when you know the Holy Spirit's living in you now? Then the process of allowing yourself to be holy takes place. There's many more. I'll quickly go through them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Look what it says here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what does that say here? That our past is abolished. Our past is abolished. Reset button. Anything that... Yes, the Holy Spirit goes to the past to renew minds and to bring healing and bring restoration. But anything that, that's, that's kept you in bondage from the past... Anything that's oppressed you from the past, any things that hasn't been dealt in the past has been dealt with Christ. It's a reset button. So what does Satan do? Satan knows in your past there's traumas. Satan knows in your past there are, str there are strongholds, mindsets that's kept you captive, kept you in fear, kept you in prison, kept you in an emotional roller coaster. He knows. So if he can poke your past, yeah, he can poke your past, he can get you to live in the emotion of the past, in the pain of your past, in the hurt of your past. Satan only, he's the ancient serpent, the ancient of the old, meaning he'll only bring old things to you. He'll bring old things to you. That's his task. So what does the Holy Spirit do when you start to work with Him? He comes to the old to renew it. So guess what happens when you don't know how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to deal with the old? Guess what happens? Satan holds you in captive, captivity because of it. You understand? So knowing your identity that the old things have passed away, 
all things have become new. Guess what happens? Healing comes into your heart because your eye is focused only on Christ. Your eye cannot come off Christ. Your eye is fixated on Christ because he's the ultimate sacrifice for your past. You understand? How many people are suffering from the past? What does Satan do? Question mark from your past. So if someone wants to start a new job, yeah, the fears from the past come again. I've, I've failed in everything I've done. You get poked in that way, the same fear comes again. Satan, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. I've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son that he loves. See, our response is Christ. He's our future and our hope now. Do you understand that? This is something so important for you because to move forward and you lack in your identity, you will suffer. You will suffer. So your past, your past has been forgiven, restored. So what sincere faith, a foundation of a new identity in Christ. So you begin to see now, when you read the Bible, I need to read what God says about my life now. It's your first foundation. You don't need to read to preach the gospel. You don't need to read to be someone. You read to be transformed. You read to know who you truly are in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, 22 to 24. Knowing your identity allows you to not live for your former passions. Look, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put off the new man that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness so it's about knowing your identity that allows you to move forward imagine you have a mindset that I've got to keep so far away from the devil yeah, guess what happens? He lingers, he lingers. Until you know who you are in Christ, your true identity, you will have no freedom. First Peter, First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Knowing your identity allows you to be used by God. So a lot of people have a mindset. I know there's many believers here that believe now, they have a mindset, that I can't be used by God. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I'm his instrument. That's a sin. Look what it says here. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You need to know this is who you are in Christ now. Christ doesn't see you any other way. So renewing your mind is so big, but renewing your mind for what? Your true identity. John chapter 15, verse 14 and 16. Knowing your true identity allows you to see Jesus differently. Not in a slave mentality anymore, or a servant mentality, but a friend. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. How can you do 
what he commanded you to understand that you're in a friendship you're in a friendship with him he's not using you he's your friend what does a friend do he walks by your side you must know this because you never leave him after that you never leave him when you know he's your friend you never leave him i don't fast and pray to be used by god I fast and pray to align my spirit with his spirit. Keep going, next one please. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. What does Satan do? He entices you and he hides. What does Satan do? He traps you and he hides. He doesn't even tell you to serve him. He tells you to serve yourself. What does Jesus say? Jesus was naked on the cross. He exposed his whole self to you. His whole self. He didn't withhold anything from you. What does Satan do? He entices you, serve yourself, and he hides. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. You understand now? It's so important that you know your identity. Because when you know your identity, that's it, you're complete. You're no longer thinking, um, is it a good idea to give my life to God? Is it safe? What's going to happen to me? You know now that the best life you can live is inside of Him, no matter what happens. You know that, amen? You know that. But if you don't have an identity, guess what? Trouble comes. You crumble. We'll keep going. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. Now look what it says here. This is very important. The Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God, and if we are his children, then we are heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessings and inheritance. If indeed we share in his suffering, so that we may also share in his glory. How can you suffer for Christ? How can you suffer for Christ when you don't make yourself a friend to this world? When you hate what is evil, you cling to what is good. But look what he promised us here, that all the spiritual blessings and the physical blessings are our inheritance. How many families are brought up with a slave mindset, a slave mentality? We've suffered financially, we've suffered mentally, we've suffered with addictions, we've struggled all our life, we are free now. We don't have to carry or accept anything else. So breaking out of that mentality, especially of the bondage of our families, where there was so much grief, hurt, brokenness, troubles, darkness, it's no longer us anymore. But how do you know that? Because our new identity in Christ. So renewing your mind and knowing your identity is crucial for you to establish to move forward. And so many people go back and forth because their identity is lacking as a believer. 
Can I tell you something? Satan puts a question mark on your life so you don't give yourself fully to God. You see how he gets you? What, what, el what else would you not surrender your life to God? It's because of the question mark. You need to understand. And what is the question mark that I prayed and nothing happened or I seeked and nothing happened? What happens in your mind after you think like that? Do I give all my life to Christ? Am I safe? What's, how's my life going to plan out? You see all the question what leads to compromising that I, I have to have a plan outside of God. Yes? Can you see now? Who has a plan outside of God? It's because of the question mark. What happens in due time, after you've suffered a little while, the God, the God, of, the God of all grace will strengthen you, establish you, and settle you, and complete you. You see? Where's the promotion in? Where's God's promotion in? Where's God's promotion in? Is, is in the question mark. Are you going to question or are you going to say, this is what God says of my life? Yeah, death is at your door. Sickness is at your door. Trouble is at your door. Worry is at your door. Financial insufficiency at your door. Are you going to... This is what God says over my life. Holy Spirit comes. The words I speak to you, they are the spirit and the life. The flesh profits nothing. So what prompts the Holy Spirit? The word of God. St. Paul says, I believe, and then I spoke. What does Satan do? He allows you to speak an attack on God. Why is this happening? But I'm praying, but I'm believing, but I'm committing, but I'm submitting. You don't tell God what to do. You do the believing, he does the breakthrough. You, you understand? When you start to question God in this way, you're coming in the spirit of Satan. Unfortunately. Can you understand? I learned when I go through challenges. When the enemy comes against me, which I had many episodes, I learned, be quiet, worship God. You know, in Psalms, there's a treasure. Your worship is your deliverance. You know, in Psalms, you read it now, you look at it differently. The Holy Spirit showed me as I was listening to Psalms that night, their worship was their deliverance. So guess what happens in the, in the way that the Holy Spirit takes you out of that miry clay? Guess what happens? Your worship. How does Satan get your worship? God, why am I going through this? Why haven't I found a partner yet? Why haven't I got a new job yet? I don't know why I said that. <laughs> oh, I know why I said that. Why hasn't my breakthrough happened yet? That's how Satan takes your worship. You know how many believers worship God in the spirit of Satan? You know that? That's how you worship Satan. Job's wife, curse God and die, she was Satan. Job was suffering. Naked I came, his response was, naked I came, naked I leave. 
I give all the glory to God. That's the spirit's response that I'm going to trust God. What's Satan's response? Curse God and die. How do you curse God? Complain about your situation. Complain about your problems. If you want to dig yourself a hole, start doing this. Why is my family broken? Some people's families here are broken. Why is my family broken? And then Satan gets you in that place, you're a victim. Oh, it's your fault. And it's because of me. And you start to cry, oh God, oh. I'm talking to someone here. Or maybe many. And then you become the victim mentality. Slave mentality, Satan mentality, victim mentality. There's many. I'll speak about them one day. In the wilderness, so many mentalities are produced. Old mentality, at least we got fed there. That's called the old mentality. It's better there, at least I got food there. Instead of, Lord, your word says that when I believed in you, me and my household shall be saved. This is how you win the victory. Lord, your mercies are new every morning. I declare it over my son. This is how your son comes back. Next, next one, another big one. You have a conqueror spirit. You have the spirit inside of you that allows you to be a conqueror. Never again will you accept defeat. How many people have defeat in their heart? What does defeat lead to? Defeat leads to failure. What does failure lead to? Hopelessness. Why? Because you lack identity. Because when you have a conquering spirit in you, you will not give up. You will pray without ceasing until your victory comes. I can't tell you. I don't know if I should share it. No, I'm not going to share it. Is there kids here? Children? Yeah, we'll not share. Okay, Romans. Romans chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 26 to 37. I'd like to go through this all to establish you. Because guess what happens when you have a conquering spirit in you? You will not stop praying until healing comes. You will not stop praying until deliverance comes. You will not stop praying until your breakthrough comes, your miracle comes, your healing comes, your provision comes. What does... Lack of identity do to you. What does it do to you? I just shared it with you. What does it do to you? Question God. When you question God, what does it lead to? Defeat. Defeat. You stop praying. Satan knows that if you can lose your power connection with the Spirit, you have no breakthrough. 
So he gets you to question God. That's his task. He done it to Jesus. Man shall not live on bread alone. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He, he defeated him. Showing him that I'm not going to give in to you trying to play with my identity with God. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Identity. You're not alone anymore. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Next. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Satan. Question mark. He's the main one behind this all. I showed you. Sincere faith. Satan attacks your sincere faith. Questioning God. So your backsliding is in the questioning. Your promotion is in not accepting his questioning. It goes both ways. Both ways. Questioning God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to curse God by questioning him. And I'm going to fall back. Unfortunately, that's what happens. Or I'm going to tell Satan who I am in Christ, identity. I'm going to keep my heart right. I'm going to pass the test, promotion. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Well, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? You see how he says it? You see why he says it like that? Because tribulation is where Satan is. Can you, can you see eye to eye with me? Why does he say tribulation? Why does he say distress? persecution, famine or nakedness or peril or sword. You know why? Because in all these areas you question God. Can you understand? Can you see it, bud? In all these areas, Satan can get the glory or Jesus can get the glory. Can you see what I'm seeing? Look here, I go back to nakedness. Oh, it's famine. Look here, how much of the world here uh, 
fall into the trap of Satan. If God is real, why is everyone suffering with no food? You see? I'm just giving you a little idea how you question God. So tribulation comes. With that comes sickness. Unfortunately, tribulations from the devil um, come sickness. So let's say someone gets sick. You're a believer in Christ. Why are you sick instead of, instead of having faith by the blood of Jesus to overcome? Because Christians do get sick, unfortunately. And how does Satan get the glory? You question God, Lord, I believe. Why am I sick? Instead of saying, Lord, by your blood, by your stripes and your wounds, I'm healed. I overcome you, Satan, by the blood. If I share some testimonies with you later, when there's no children, I want to share how the enemy came against me and how he left very quickly. You know why? Because I knew my identity. I came back in with the word of God and things got worse and worse. Word of God left. I want to share it, but I can't. <laughs> I want to share it. Okay, let's go. No, no, I'll just leave it out. I'll leave it out. It's not right. Colossians. I just want to show you that the enemy built a, uh, sorry, the enemy, I know we're taking a bit long, the enemy built such a report against me, and he came to me when I was weak. I was weak in one certain area, and he came, and I grabbed the scripture. This is what God says over my life. I do not accept any other lie. And I can't tell you what happened. It was amazing. So let's go, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 to 15. 15? Okay. So look what it says here. For in him all the fullness of deity, the Godhead, dwells in bodily form, completely expressing the divine essence of God, which is Christ. And in him you have been made complete. You're complete. Do you know you're complete? You're so free in Christ, the enemy will do anything he can. The enemy will do anything he can to stop you from knowing the freedom you have in Christ. You know, Paul was so free that his mind didn't even condemn him. His conscience didn't even condemn him. That's how much freedom he had in Christ. You know how free Paul was? The Jews were spying on him because of the freedom he had in Christ. Do you know how free you are? Yeah, yeah if you want. So I'll share the testimony. I'll share the testimony. So I like to share a real life testimony. This is recently. So it's probably, I shared it with um, Pastor Tony before and some other people. And I, 
<clears throat> I was born with a little lump here in my neck. It's the size of a little pimple now. But I was born with it. And, and it's very interesting what happened. So I was doing a five-day fast, and I felt off. The second day, I felt off. Like I felt something's not right. And I got a massive rash on my back. I got a massive rash on my back. And it was like bulges of skin on my back. And I put my hand on my neck. It's the size of half a, ten, a, half a golf ball. That big, massive. And, and I put my hand on the lump, word for word. I put my hand on the lump, and I heard Satan say, it's cancer. And I thought to myself, you crafty. I thought to myself, it's cancer. And straight away I felt the fear. And I felt it come from the outside in. And what happened was, I went outside and prayed for an hour. And I got violent in my prayer with the word of God. That night I had a, I had a um, set up for a pre-wedding. I had my cousin's pre-wedding and I had to set up for the pre-wedding. And I want to tell you what Satan did. He went out of his way to get to me. He went out of his way through someone to get to me. And you know what he, and, and you know what he said? You know what he said? He, he, um, one sec. Oh, yeah, so my cousin. So, so you come here, Andrew. Come here, please. Yeah, sh shine the camera on Andrew. No, no, leave it. No, leave it. Leave it. So he was there with me. Yeah, come on. That's my cousin, Andrew. So, so he was sitting on the, um, he was sitting on um, probably three seats down. And he's, he's looking at me, and I'm wearing like a, like a collared hoodie sort of thing. I'm wearing like a collared hoodie. hoodie. And he looked at me and he said, bro, like, I don't mean to um, scare you or anything. He goes, but I had cancer in the same spot. And he goes, your ball in your neck started like I did. And he goes, I used to play, I used to play with it the same way that you have it in your neck. Satan was speaking to me. I just heard him an hour before. And he was saying to me, I know you believe in Jesus, but go check it out. Questioning. Questioning. You see? I'm not saying it boasting. He's trying to make me question Jesus. I know you believe in Jesus, but go get scans. And to be honest, he answered my heart when he said that. I'd like to be real with you. Because half his jaw and his neck got cut out to get the cancer out, out of him many years ago. And he said, I know you believe in Jesus and everything, but go get scans. Now, many believers here will disagree with me. Yeah? But I know my identity in Christ. Now, if I was, and please don't get offended with me, if that's where you are in your faith, so be it. But I know who Christ is in my life. I could have said as a precaution, 
out of questioning God that Jesus died for my sickness, my sins, my diseases, every curse, he died for it. Yeah, I could have, out of fear, went to go get scans to check that lump out of questioning God, taking my eyes off Christ, and I would have created the fear in faith to make this to be a cancer. So what happened was, I'll share it with you. I got home, I got violent, I went and prayed in tongues an hour, hour and a half. The next morning I woke up, it grew another inch bigger. And I heard the voice again. It's getting bigger. I think, like, you better go get checked. Now, I don't know if that was me or if that was Satan. I'll be honest with you. So I prayed the whole day. And I said, Lord, your word says this. I stand in the authority of your word as a believer in Christ. And I declare, I curse this lump from the roots and I command it to leave. Now, that went on for the whole day. At 6 o'clock in the evening, he left the whole thing. The whole thing. Now, I could have put my faith in the questioning and something could have appeared there that could have been a cancer. That, that day, the, the, that morning, it grew an inch bigger. Then that evening, it left fully with my rash. And I could have fallen to that place of questioning, Lord, I'm believing, I'm walking with you. Why are these things coming against my body? No, I put the authority of faith on. I put the authority of truth on. That's my inheritance. That's my identity. What is your identity as a believer? So many people have the identity that God is the God of my salvation. That's as far as they go. Is he the identity of your healer? Is he the identity of your provider? Is he the identity of your protector? It's what you make him to be. And if you don't know your identity, you will not make him to be that person over your life. But because I have the word planted in me by the grace of God, I was able to shut his mouth, to shut his mouth, because he wanted me to operate out of questioning God. Look what the man said. I know you believe in Jesus, but don't be ignorant. Now, someone may think, yeah, he's ignorant. He left the next day. So God can heal anything, spiritual or physical. He can heal both. Don't give any glory to questioning. But a lot of people... When they question, they wait not praying. They wait not believing. They wait not committing. They wait not walking. And they drown. They drown in the miry clay. I learned something. If I'm going to fall, fall forward. <laughs> fall forward. Fall praying. Fall giving my heart everything. Fall, pouring my heart to God in every way. I learn if I'm going to fall, fall forward. If I'm going to be weak, let the weak say I'm strong. I'm going to fall forward in every way because I know my identity. I know what God has said over my life. But his words like a seed. You've got to plant it on good soil, water it, nourish it, allow it to grow. You understand? Now, if this lump happened... In my life, 
years before that, I don't know what I would have done. But God's given me faith in due season. I don't know what I've done. But I'll tell you something. I'm at an area now. By the grace of God, I know my identity. When you know your identity, all his promises are, it will come to you. But a lot of people operate and they feed the questioning where unbelief is, where Satan is. And they remain in bondage. When you know your identity, you will not accept anything else other than what God's spoken over your life. Yeah, but like still, like you need to go and get checked and you need to test this and you need to see this and you need to put this in your body. You need to x-ray this. Faith. God wants unwavering faith. Because if you stand for his word, if you stand for his word, he stands for you. And it's the truth. It's so important to understand this. So I witnessed this myself. I've seen God come in, in, in great storms. I've seen God in the little storms. But what I can tell you that God wants to be in everything. I can tell you that for sure. But so many people feed that false wisdom, false wisdom through unbelief. That thing left that day, it was like that big. And I said, no, this is what God said over my life. God wants the untangible word, the undefiled word inside of you. And I can tell you something. Over eight years being in the Lord now, there's something that I've refused to accept anything other than truth. Fight for the truth. And you will only see it when circumstances come your way. You only see which truth do you stand on. You will see. But I can tell you something. In the darkest, darkest times of my life, I've seen Christ. Because I cried to him, I poured my heart to him, I gave him everything. He came. He came. I had glorious moments with him. And I tell you something, I will never change because I know what his word says. Let every man be a liar, God's word be true. So Satan, what he wants to do, question the word of God. Go get scans, it's, it's normal, it's okay. Yeah, in the realm of faith, God wants something else to be birthed in you. His undefiling word. That God can do everything he promises. Yes, some people may disagree. I don't care. I don't care. I know what Christ can do for me. And you only see it in the storm. The storm, unbelief can take you, or faith can hold you. You only see it in the storm. You only see it in the troubles. You only see it in the trials. You only see it in the challenges. What you really believe. And let me tell you something to give you peace. God will work with your faith. He will work with you. He doesn't expect you to stand so strong without the gift of faith inside of you. He will work with your faith. But give him the chance. Give him the opportunity. But just know one thing. Heaven and earth pass away, 
my words will never. If there's something that Satan wants to take, yeah, his word will never return empty. He, he's not a person who promises empty promises. But if Satan can get you to question, that promise will be empty. So I nearly took my life. I saw Satan. I saw demons. I got tormented day and night. Here I am testifying that Jesus is true to every promise. He is true to every promise. Do not give in to anything else. Because what mattered the most to God is what? The word becoming flesh inside of us. His robe was dipped in the blood. His name is Word of God. Satan will do one thing and one thing only to take you off your true purpose of God and not allow the Holy Spirit to work through you so powerfully. Question his word. In every way, that's his task. Sincere faith is not questioning. Insincere faith is when Satan questions you and you, you operate through that way. Why so many people don't see healings and breakthroughs and miracles in their life is because of their questioning. So it takes time for God to work through you, but are you willing? It takes time. And it's a journey, but are you willing? So Satan, what? He'll question you. You prayed before, you were sick, nothing happened. It's okay, go to hospital. You had no money before, it's happening again, it's okay. You know, um, figure out what you need to do. You see, he brings the past to the future. He brings the past to the future. I was stuck and I prayed and I fasted and I believed, nothing happened. Uh, there's no point praying anymore. Don't give everything. Just withhold a little bit. You need to have a backup plan. That's why the Holy Spirit doesn't speak and doesn't give all himself to you. Because of you. Because of you. Because of your life. When you draw near to God, he draws near to you. It's his truth. And I know I'm being very firm, but... What are you going to stand for? It's his truth. So what do I do as a believer? Build around the truth. What does the enemy want to do? Build around questioning. He believed in God. Why is he dead? He believed in God. Why is he sick? He believed in God. Why is there demons? He believed in God. Why is he suffering financially? He's the prince of questioning. And he questions your identity as a believer. As soon as you question your identity, he puts his deceptive wax on you. False character. Can you see? So bless you all. I'm not going to finish those scriptures. I just want to encourage you. What type of believers do you want to be? Yes, God worked with me. I'm not what I am, what I am now. How I started, I was a babe, but I worked towards the truth. I built around the truth.
The storms come, the wind came and hit your building, but it stood because it was built upon the rock. You will only know the questioning in your heart when you go through the storms. You will only see what you truly believe in the storms. You will only see through the trials and tribulations and persecutions what you really believe. And questioning, saving gets the glory, which attacks God's character, or declaring scripture and standing firm gives you the victory. And I like to speak about real life situations to show you where, it, where that lump could have led to. Or where it could have led to. So let's pray. The first foundation of a sincere faith is identity. 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 Now I don't, let me say it like this, I don't boast in my healing. I boast in my identity of who Christ says I am. You know, that's pride. Can I say something? I can boast in my breakthrough, but that's really pride. I share something with you. In my identity in Christ. Because if Satan takes anything from you, it's your identity. That's a sincere faith. Because of the questioning, the compromising, and not offering all yourself to God.